What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. Pitchers and catchers have reported Kalal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, you know how it's going. You, you said it already. Pitchers and catchers have reported. I've got my Braves notes in front of me. I don't want to even. I don't want to do any silly introduction. I just want to talk baseball. Oh wow. It's down to business, folks. I mean, do you have anything uh, of import to uh, get into this show? Get things rolling? No, not at all. All right. Well, can I get it started? Please. Graham, Fernando Tatis Jr. signed a $340 million deal yesterday. 14 years. I got to get straight to brass tacks. Are you worried about Ronald Acuna becoming disgruntled and us losing the best thing that's ever happened to Atlanta since Chipper Jones. Well, first, Adam, I would say that Freddie Freeman's probably the best thing that's happened to Atlanta since Chipper Jones overall, although Acuna may have the final say in that. But in terms of him being disgruntled, I don't think so. And this is just, you know, I don't speak for Ronald Acuna. But I, I think he knew that he potentially could have had the opportunity to get more money out of the Braves for that big extension last year. And he was okay with it. No one forced him to do that extension. Same thing with Ozzie Albies. Now, you can make the argument that, and you would be right, if you would say, you say Ozzie Albies at seven years, like 35 or 42 million, <laughs> yeah, whatever so it was. Ridiculous. Acuna at, what, 10 years, 112, 108, whatever the hell it is, are criminally underpaid. These guys should be making, you know, Acuna should be making probably in the realm, if it was a 10-year deal, probably 250, 280, hell, maybe even 300. Whereas, uh, you know, Ozzy should be at least making 150, if not more, because of the tremendous value he provides in both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But you know what? Both those guys agreed to these deals, and I don't think they're going to be disgruntled about it. I mean, they, they're going to look at, you know, what Tatis got and uh, go, oh, shit, you know? I mean, that, that's kind of like, that's crazy. But the value, it's not like Tatis set the, set the market here. Even though you know you could say that he he had he has now, I guess, but it's not like you know if Ozzy or or Ronnie had issues with how much money they were getting, they couldn't have gone to their agents and said, "Get me more money," because they had, I think, bargaining power in in what could have been some negotiations. But both these guys were were cool with the money that was offered and accepted the deals. So I don't think we're going to be hearing about anything like that unless something drastically changes with their personalities. And I don't think it will. And that's just my opinion, but, you know, there you have it. Yeah, I think it's we're good for a, a few years anyways. And, yeah, I totally agree. No one forced them to sign the contracts. But, I mean, this it's just everything has changed drastically with this contract because the other huge contracts before this, like the Bryce Harper, Machado's, a lot of the different pitchers, like th- these were more established guys, like – Acuna has more experience and arguably more success than Tatis Jr. at this point in his career. And I think next year, I mean, this year Acuna is only making like five mil. I think next year it jumps to like 15 mil. So, I mean, Tatis is going to be making like double what Ronald Acuna does every year. I, I just worry that it's going to become a Scotty Pippen type scenario where – yeah, you understood why he signed it. He was young. He wanted to be secure. But the optics just aren't great. Like, it's awesome for the Braves, for the team, because it gives us room to pursue free agents, although we're not really doing that. But it gives us room to re-up all these young pitchers that will be coming up eventually. But it doesn't look great. And I'm worried. I just always worried about our young stars talking to other young stars around the league, seeing what they're making. And it's definitely going to be an issue in a few years. And hopefully they'll renegotiate if it's blatantly obvious that something needs to be done. But, I mean... Wait, you think it's definitely going to be an issue in a a few years? I I think it will be, yeah. I mean, 100 mil to 340 mil? That's... I'm I'm not disagreeing with you in the sense that the, the discrepancy between the two contracts or the three contracts, if we throw Ozzy in there, is insane. But I'm not going to worry about 
either one of these guys saying anything about their contracts until they it comes from their mouths. I think the point is is that they they are happy here. They were happy with the deals they got. Yes, they'll see this crazy ass deal. Maybe they'll want to renegotiate, but I don't think either one of them. I think both of these guys are team first guys in the sense that they're not going to let that bullshit affect their everyday play. And they're going to give maximum effort to the organization, which is what they've done since they've started their careers. Even though I know Ronald has sometimes hot dogged around first base and not hustled enough. But, you know, with him, that's, it, you know, we didn't really see that at all last year. That was just that 2019 season and the playoffs in particular. That was frustrating. But, you know, I'm just rambling here. I don't think it's going to be a problem. And the media, even though I know they're going to be searching for a story, need to shut the fuck up and not force these young guys to answer all these questions about, oh, what do you think about Tatis's deal? Don't you think you should get more? I don't know. You know, it's just like, let the, let Tatis have it, you know, handle his business. Let Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies handle their business. They chose to do it one way, and they, they got with, you know, and they seemed content with what they received from the Braves, and Tatis and his agent negotiated some mega deal. So be it. I think, well, I'm not saying Whatever. this is an issue in spring training, or that people are going to be asking Ronald Acuna about it. I'm just saying. Oh, I think they definitely will. Uh, that would that would be dirty to ask the player. Like, yeah, we can have this conversation, but asking the player about other players' contracts, I don't think that's something you do. I guarantee they're going to talk. That someone in the media is going to bring it up, and it's going to and uh, it'll be overblown. Nothing will really come for it, but people are going to bring it up in the media. I can almost guarantee that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just an easy target to talk about, especially if you're a guy who needs or or girl uh, who wants to write a story about this. Even though it could be a, t- it's definitely gonna be a touchy subject. You know, it's gonna be a good story for you as a reporter. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna feel bad for these guys making millions of dollars a year as well. But you know, it's, it's something that could be a real uh, hiccup in the future, Graham. We'll leave it at that. You know, the great news for Ozzy and Ronald is that. They'll both still be in their primes when their deals end. So they're going to be able to get a mega deal, I think, like um, like Tatis got, especially if they keep playing at this high of a level. That's, and who knows if the Braves are going to be the ones to supply that deal. You know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But they will be able to cash in big time if they keep playing at this level. Huge. But, so we got to take advantage why we got them for this cheap. And speaking of cheap and one-year deals, Mark Melanson, Graham, been a uh, capable closer mm. for us the past couple of years. You know, the uh, I don't think the sabermetrics people love him that much. It's because of his contact rate. And he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. Like, yeah. he, he pitches to contact, which is dangerous as you get older, especially as a closer. Yeah, so 36-year-old guy, wasn't looking for anything huge. He, he'd already cashed in big. He had, like, a four-year, $47 million contract that he was coming off. But he was lingering in free agency for a while. I was still hoping against hope that we would get him. But then he ends up signing with the Padres, who were just trying to be a super team and compete with the Dodgers. And I saw the terms of the deal today, and it's one year, $2 million. What's your first thought there, being a Braves fan and having a bullpen that could use some help still? It's kind of crazy that if that's what he agreed to, that we couldn't have signed him. Unless the Braves really see something in the analytics, they're saying this is when the blow-up's going to happen. And to Anthopolis's credit, I think he's done a good job in terms of deciding when to bring back a guy and when not to. And it's usually worked out in his favor. Not to say every everything he's done is, is spectacular, but I think, you know, he, he's he's well above average in, in that category. So maybe he knows something we don't, and his scouting department knows something we don't. But just looking at the optics of it and looking at how valuable he was last year and all it would have taken is a one-year, $2 million deal, and you just re-signed Ozuna for a very, very friendly Another friendly contract for a guy that I think what led the majors in home runs and RBIs and whatnot last year and was just absolutely just excelled in every area offensively. Uh, it, it's kind of crazy that you couldn't bring this guy back. So here's what so, I don't know. Here's what Mark Melanson said. He, as far as the contract he chose, he was prioritizing winning 
and he took the lowest offer, but with the team that has the best chance of winning. Interesting. And, and like, you know, so it's assumed of teams that he had offers from who had the best chance of winning. So is that a just like a diss on the Braves saying the Padres are clearly closer to World Series than you guys are, even though we were, what, like six outs away from the World Series last year? Or B, mm-hmm. does that just mean we didn't make an offer? From what you're saying, it sounds like he went to the team he thought he, that could win. Maybe it was a diss to the Braves. But, you know, even though we lost out on the Lance, regardless of how we did, I don't think he is going to make or break this season. And he's he's in his best days may not be behind him entirely, but his best days are, are running out for sure with the way he pitches. So, you know, if we can get Shane Green back, if there's some other reliever out there as a free agent that we don't know about, that could also help. Hopefully that, uh, hopefully Anthopolis can pull the trigger on some of those, uh, on one or two of those guys. But, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cry over the loss of Mark Melanson. Um, it's, it's not the end of the world. It's not like losing Ozuna. Do we need to improve our bullpen? Yes. Is there someone else there, else out there that can match or exceed Melanson's uh, value? I would argue, yeah, there probably is. So I, I'm not too concerned about that. In general, I think Anthopolis has earned our trust, and you give him the benefit of the doubt for the most part. And I feel like he's even earned your trust a lot over the last year. Uh, just yeah, based I off your answer to that, to Mark Melanson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also just the fact that he actually made the big move to bring back Ozuna, which is like the most unbraves thing to do. That showed a lot to me. I wanted to do a little, A, in terms of free agents that are still out there, I wrote a couple down this morning. And I've already had to cross one off the list. Where we still need to fill in the gaps, as we've said many times, bullpen and outfield, just bench in general. So as of this morning, Trevor Rosenthal and Shane Green were still out there. Cross off Trevor Rosenthal. He signed like a $11 million deal. Can't remember who with, doesn't matter. So Shane Green is still out there. You got to still think that he's looking for a place where he's going to be that guy, the closer. And it's not going to be here. Like we signed Will Smith to that three-year, $40 million deal. He's going to be given every shot to be the closer. That being said, Graham, I wanted to do a little little activity with you to see, do we actually have a bullpen problem or not? So I've pulled up our 40-man roster. So when it comes to the bullpen, what do you usually roll with? Like an eight-man bullpen, nine-man, Graham? Do you know? Something like that. Yeah. I think that's it's at least eight. Well, let's count it out. So it's a it's a twenty six man roster this year. Okay. Definite starting pitchers. We got Ian Anderson, Max right. Freed, yeah, Charlie Morton, Soroka. At some point, maybe May first, but he'll be there, and then probably Drew Smiley. They're going to give him every opportunity. Well, yeah, especially with that deal he signed. Yeah. So that leaves possible starting pitchers, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, Noah, Tucson. So that's, okay. that's four arms that could go to the bullpen. Bryce Wilson's at the top of my list based off his performance against the Dodgers last year, um, which I know, as we've talked about many times, was like, where the hell was that ever? But I, I want to see him in that role. Like, that was incredible. Even though he started and only pitched three innings, but, like, he was he went for it so hard. Like, if he brings that kind of mentality to being a, a bullpen guy, I mean, he, he was he was destroying the best lineup in baseball. Right. Slaughtered him, you know? So I'd like to see him build off that as a, as a bullpen guy. I'm glad we're doing this because maybe we don't have as much of a bullpen issue as I thought. And maybe it's going to be classic Anthopolis. Going to throw a lot of arms out there, see what we got, make a move mid-year if necessary so the only four definite arms i see right now i mean no brainers chris martin madsick mentor will smith okay so we need to pick at least four more arms maybe five so we got victor arano 
who's that guy we signed that was a beast with the Phillies a few years ago coming off injuries. Grant Dayton, he's probably in. Luke Jackson. Oh, God. He's still there. Sean Newcomb. I think he needs to get a shot in camp for sure. I could easily see him being what he was a couple – because remember 2020, we tried to put him back in the starting rotation. It was a huge flop. But 2019, he was great for us out of the pen. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's still got to work on that damn walk issue, which still bit him in the ass even when he was effective out of the bullpen. But um, he he was definitely a different beast as a bullpen guy. Definitely a lot more solid. So, yeah, he needs needs to get a shot in camp for sure. Yeah, he he was a reliable arm. We we can say that much. Yeah, he he needs a shot. Uh, Chad Sabatka, I don't think we care too much about that guy anymore. Uh, Josh Tomlin's still around. He's definitely a guy that can that can still fit him back there as your longer lever. So Tomlin's probably in. Can we say that much? Yeah, I'd say so. What? So that's five officially. Yeah, that's five. Um, Grant Dayton probably still needs to do work, right? I need to see more of him in camp. Luke Jackson. <laughs> he, no, I mean, you're not going to put God him as no. A uh, Newcomb's a maybe. Jacob Webb's probably a definite, right? I'd like to see him again too. Yeah, I mean he was he was pretty decent if so I remember. So that's last six year. guys already, and then non roster invitees. Uh, Carl, do we Edwin, have that new guy from the Cubs as well who was relieved? Yeah, so that that's where I'm getting to now. So th- these guys, the these other arms, they're not on the forty man yet. They're non roster okay. invitees. So Carl Edwards Jr who has been a decent arm in the past. The one I'm most excited about is Nate Jones from the White Sox. I'll throw those two guys in his possibilities to win a win a job and pick your poison from Bryce Wilson, Noah, Toussaint. We we got arms. Yeah, I think I think Wilson definitely needs I mean like I like to see him this spring in a dual role. See what he's got as a starter, see what he's got as a reliever because we all know that you never get through a whole season with your rotation fully intact we got Soroka coming off the Achilles Troy Morton is no spring chicken has had injury problems in the past Drew Smiley's also no spring chicken so I think having evaluated everybody that getting more help in the bullpen actually is going to be important um, because if anyone goes down, be it your your uh, four horses of the apocalypse in the back end of the bullpen or anyone in your rotation, you're going to have to have people ready to step up, and I think we need a little more depth there, to be honest with you. So you still want one, but you, you can agree, just one more established arm. And you'd be one good. or two, yeah. You, you, at least one. You I need mean, one. You can't keep at, throwing at the, at all of these guys in, the, like Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, Noah Toussaint, you can't keep them all in Triple A. Who, who who's going to give you more confidence though? I'm Shane. If you get Shane Green back or Huasker, you know Now Shane Green or Sean Newcomb. I'm I'm just saying you like. Eventually, you got to do something with these guys or deal deal somebody. Yeah, that's know, fine. If you need to. Yeah, no, I want Shane Green, no doubt. But I'm also at this point, I'm okay with going into this year with what we got at this point and seeing how the market shapes out, seeing who steps up. I think, well, what's really interesting about Unthoughtless, and I wasn't going to talk about this, but you sort of uh, implanted it in my mind with talking about how you have all these guys and you can't send them all back to the minors and everything. And, and it's interesting how he hasn't made a big move for anyone dealing prospects. He's dealt some prospects, but he hasn't dealt any of the prized ones. You know, he held on to Pache, he held on to Waters. He's held on to Anderson, who's no longer a prospect. You know what I mean, though? It's like he's he hasn't really moved anyone of consequence to get someone of consequence. And I wonder if he's going to do that at some point this year. Because if we really want to compete with the Dodgers, we're going to have to bring someone in, I think, from the uh, rotation-wise or a third baseman or both to, to truly do that. Yeah, I could definitely see third base. But Austin Riley's going to get his chance. He's going to get his chance, but we know Austin Riley's just as inconsistent as they come. 
Like, if I got I know you said Jose Ramirez, like, the Indians aren't thinking about dealing him right now. But midseason, if that changes, and that's a guy that can really elevate this ball club. How many games do you think Austin Riley has played in his career? We could look that up and sound really smart. No, I, I, I'm, I, I know the number. I'm wanting because you're oh, saying you're saying we you. know Austin Riley is very inconsistent. So, how many games would you say Austin Riley has played in his career? To, if, I'd if probably you, if say you know. he hasn't played a full season yet. I'd say he's like 142 or something. Yeah, you're close. 131 games he's played. Yeah. So it's it's not like this guy is done developing. Not at and, all. And we saw plenty of times, even last year, and what was it, in August, he got super hot uh, down the stretch. So he he can put it together. I'm not saying he can't put it together. I'm just saying Jose Ramirez is more of a sure thing than him. If I got a chance to get Jose Ramirez and I got to get rid of Austin Riley, so be it. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. I'll agree with you there. The point is, now that we got Marcel, it's like, okay, center field, I don't know what Pache is really going to be with the bat. Third base, don't really know about Austin. Could use one or two more arms. But we got nice depth. And I'm okay going into the season as is. Because we, we picked up Jason Kipnis this past week, which I think is a good veteran pickup to come off the bench. This is like the third Anthopolis signing where, had it been 2012, I'd be really excited. Like Jose Bautista, Pablo Sandoval, and now Jason Kipnis. Oh, those those aren't the same. Like, but the, oh, the, Jason Kipnis isn't what he used to be. He used to be a 5'6'4 player. Now he's like point two, point three. He's a bench player. So, he's a bench player. Yeah, he's a bench player now. But that, I mean, you got to set your expectations correctly. It's just funny how we got all these these guys who, you know, how we had gotten them, you know, eight years ago. We'd be over the fucking moon. Yeah, no, but like, I mean, Jose Bautista, and who else did you say? The Panda Bear. Oh, we still got Panda there, but though, baby. So, <laughs> I mean, Jose Bautista, he was basically retired. And just trying it again. You were very excited about Jose Bautista. Yeah, give it a run. It didn't work. Who cares? I, I condemned that from the beginning. I was very upset by that. You were right about that one, Graham. But uh, Kipnis is fine. Like, And we got a, one of our old prospects, Travis Demerite, back to be yes. possibly a fourth. I think he was in the Shane Green trade. It's and either the Shane Green or Chris Martin trade. I can't remember. But yeah, he was part of one of those. He was in Detroit, so that's why I'm assuming it was Shane oh, Green. Probably. Uh, but he's back to maybe be the fourth outfielder. But I, I would still like one other more established bench piece. But we'll, uh, there's going to be some battles in spring training. I just can't wait to wake up in like a week and a half and then Nick Marcakis is strolling down to Kissimmee, Florida, or wherever the hell the Braves spring training facility is. Let me ask you this, Graham. Who would you prefer... Nick Markakis or Brett Gardner? Nick Markakis. Yeah? Yeah, Brett Gardner, I think, is, uh, you know, he's got a little more pop. I think Markakis is a better overall hitter and plays better overall defense. Nick Markakis or Ender? Nick Markakis, 100%. So if if we sign Markakis and cut Ender, you'd be happy? Oh, hell yeah. All right, you're a cakes guy. Yeah, I like, like we were talking about last week. I mean, even though Cakes is trash against lefties and goes through spells of just where he doesn't give you much, he is still a very solid player. And if he is a guy that can be your left-handed pinch hit off the bench guy, even though he doesn't have a lot of power, I, I really like that. And he can also... Play better defense than Marcelo Zuna, so he can be a late game replacement. I would like to bring him back on like a one year, million dollar deal or something, and just say this is your new role. You're not going to play every day, but if you bring him back and he's playing every day, then I'm very concerned uh, <laughs> about the the sanity of of, of one Brian Snitker, even though we know he has an extreme love affair with, with Nick Marcakis. How the but hell? Yeah, in terms of if he's just a bench guy, I love that shit. Bring him back now. The concern is, I think I heard Anthopolis on an interview just talking about the need for a fourth outfielder. And it's like, what happens if? Because it's still not a given that there's not going to be a DH. Like it could still happen. That's where it's very concerning to have Mark Kakis because it's like, oh, he's going to be the left fielder then. Other, otherwise, like 
with no DH, it's like, yeah, obviously Marcel's left, Pache's center, Acuna's right. You yeah. Got Ender, Demerite off the bench. I guess Marquecas in this scenario. I don't know. But yeah, if, if we if Marcel's a DH again, it's like, oh, we got a big hole in left field. And that's a good point. I didn't consider that. That's a good point. So once again, Anthopolis is a hell of a lot smarter than we are. I, I appreciate your respect for Anthopolis all of a sudden, Graham. He's earned it, man. I mean, I think, you know, there's still times you wish he would go for the jugular in terms of bigger moves, but I think given how chintzy this fucking ownership group is, he's done a hell of a job in terms of fielding a team that can compete for a championship, which our team definitely did last year. And he also proved to me that he wants to get back there with, with bringing back Ozuna. If he hadn't brought back Ozuna, I'd be very pissed off at him. But that, that showed a lot to me in getting that done. It, it, just, it just felt like... It seems like every scenario we have with the Braves, when we have a chance to go get someone that can be a difference maker, who we know is a difference maker, we don't do it, whether they be one of our free agents or, or not. And he did it. And so combined with his track record since he's been here and how the team has improved since he's been here, um, I'm, I'm fully on board with him. He's got a, a bit of a longer leash than any Braves GM since, like, you know, vintage era Sherholtz. Good for Anthopolis. I'm more of a just a blind trust guy. Like he doesn't have to prove anything to me early on, whereas you're skeptical the entire time until there's a track record. Yeah. So getting your respect, that that's huge for Alex Anthopolis. Yeah, and we all know I hate like every GM except for Travis Schlank, usually. Um and I don't want to hate. It's just based off what you do. I'm going to react to what you do. And if you, you know, if you're like Thomas Dimitrov and you can't draft one good defensive end in 12 fucking years, then you're a loser. I'm sorry. You should have been gone six or seven years ago. Well, th- you know? this, this is a good realization, Graham. So on this day, February 18th, 2021, I don't think you've ever been more content with the three men leading your three Atlanta professional sports teams than you are right now. I would agree with you. And obviously, because when's the last time you liked a Falcons GM back in like 98? I think there are times I like Thomas. I mean, when we were winning, like when, when when he got Matt Ryan and we started to compete at a high level, you know, for for, you know, during the early Smitty years, I, I liked him. But then I started to see starting with guys like Jamal Anderson with two A's and Pariah Cherry and Tack McKinley. Vic B, you know, it's just over the years, you just see this guy cannot evaluate the trenches and we will never win a championship because he can't do that. And, uh, we didn't. And that, 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 that just pissed me off. So, but yeah, I would say overall, I, I like where we are with all three GMs right now. Fontenot's got the most to prove, obviously, but you can't judge a man until you actually see what he's going to do. So I like him on paper a lot for sure. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm thinking, so like when you did like Dimitrov, it was probably Frank Wren, like towards the end of the Frank Wren era. So you hated him. I'd imagine, and then like maybe like Rick Sund was the Hawks GM. Who knows? I oh, feel yeah. like, except for when we had what dude's name that actually put that whole squad together? Uh, some Duke guy. Oh, Danny Ferry. Or, Danny Ferry. Danny Ferry. Yeah. God, that sucked. That <laughs> there's some controversy sur- surrounding Danny Ferry, but man, that dude was a GM and a half. And yeah, co- put together co- the best Hawks team ever. Of course, it just slipped away from us. So yeah, I mean, I. I I'm cool with the schlank, but Danny Ferry, man, he was he was something else. But that that was short lived. Yeah, and then Bud proved that he cannot be a, an executive and a coach at the same time. Yeah, that was a disaster. And then I guess before Danny Ferry, that was the whole um, oh, what was that guy's name back in the Mike Woodson era? Oh, the guy who drafted Marvin Williams. I can't remember his name. And went to court. Yeah, Jake Sobel's screaming his name out right now if he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> When ownership was suing Billy Knight, Billy Knight, yeah, there you go, yeah, yeah. So the, the, this is a good day for Atlanta GMs. You got anything else on the Braves? I think the only other thing I have on the Braves really is uh, something we haven't talked about that may not be too interesting to some, but I think is also another thing on the roster that we haven't discussed at all in the off season is we only have one catcher. Tyler Flowers has not been brought back yet, so. I wonder what the story is there. Yeah, do you do you want to bring in a veteran like a Tyler Flowers or roll with one of the young guys in Williams Contreras who we saw 
remember the beginning of this 2020, I think Darno he was on the COVID list or he was hurt and Contreras started the year and you could see something with his bat. Like his bat is intriguing to me. I'd be more excited going to camp with Contreras than bringing back Flowers or some random veteran. But then you also have Alex Jackson, who's more of that classic just defensive catcher. It sounds like Tyler Flowers is great with the staff, so maybe you do just bring him back, give him a million dollars. What what say you? Well, we know what we get with Tyler Flowers for the most part. I have no idea what we'll be getting with the other guys. If the organization thinks they are ready, that Contreras is ready, or Jackson, then I wouldn't mind seeing that. But everybody loves Flowers, and he he has helped the staff tremendously. So I, I, I am right now of the mindset of it would be great to bring him back one more time and then see what you got with the young guys after that. And the good news, I guess, about that is, is that they're not, you know, going to be, or, you know, whoever it is, if it's not Flowers, if it's Jackson or Contreras, they're not going to be, you know, they're not they're not going to catch a full season or anything like that, hopefully, as long as Darno stays healthy. But then I start thinking about what if Darno doesn't stay healthy? We know Flowers isn't great with the bat, but, you know, no idea what Jackson or Contreras are going to do with the bat, even though we saw flashes from Contreras last year. So it's it's kind of like Flowers, I think, is the more sure thing. I'd like to bring him back. However, if it, you, you point a gun at my head and say, you got to bring back Tyler Flowers or Shane Green, I want Shane Green. So if it means that one of the young guys has to step in and be the backup but and we get Shane Green or another bullpen piece, then so be it. Yeah, I don't see Tyler Flowers being a financial question at all. Like, he'll be cheap as dirt. So Yeah, he should be. But I, I, I want to see Contreras. I, I want I want I want to give him a run because you got to think with no DH, he'll get what a start or two a week. Let's see what the kid can do. Yeah, and and if if something doesn't work, then I'm sure you can go out and make a trade for a backup catcher or whatever, you know, to solidify that. Yeah, because you still have the veteran presence in Darno. But we want you know the the tough thing with Darno is that you want to keep him as fresh as possible and. We know how brutal the summers get for catchers in Atlanta. And for everybody, but particularly when you're catching. And you're also expected to hit at a high level. So you definitely want someone who can come in and catch, you know, 60-plus games and and do it well. And and you don't lose too much, at least defensively, when they come in. Right. So backup catcher, maybe another outfielder, maybe another arm. Three things to look for. And I swear to God, if Ender beats Pache for the center field spot, I'm going to just throw myself through a window i think there's no way in hell that's happening ender being a starting outfielder is very 2019 like even the thought of brian snicker liking ender i think we're beyond those days yeah yeah and i think too you know i know we talked a lot about anthopolis but i think snicker's really adjusted the way he manages and has done a better job managing bullpen situational management um and making the right decisions about things you could still poke holes in some of the stuff he does but i think you know in particular with the way he managed the bullpen last year in the playoffs i thought he did a really good job with that and that that showed a lot um you know he got over his love of luke jackson he's gotten over his old school bullshit ways of acuna's got to hit fourth and put him in uh hitting first and moving freddie freeman to two i think was great and i hope they do that again you know why mess with success you know i know snicker said i think earlier this week that he's thinking about putting freddie back at three but I, I like that. I mean, that's such a formidable top three, um, Acuna, Freddie, and Ozuna. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't get, unless you're stupid-ass Dodgers, get more intimidating. Man, I'm so happy we're talking potential lineups again, and Marcel's a part of that. Yeah, I mean, Snicker has learned as well. Yeah, unlike uh, Bobby or Freddie Gonzalez, who just sort of always did the same thing and stuck with it no matter what, whether it was working or it wasn't, Snicker has evolved as, as a manager i'm not sitting here saying he's the greatest Braves manager ever or anything like that but he's a hell of a lot better than freddie gonzalez and he he's trusted the analytics too in the way he's adapted with shifts i mean i think i don't know who runs the shifts is that that that's him or walt weiss but i'm sure he has a hand in it and you know we've we've graded out as some of the best uh you know last couple of years is one of the better defensive units in baseball too so i mean everything down to fundamentals and the way that organizations run and constructed has improved drastically and it finally paid off with playoff success last year for the first time in damn 20 years so uh hopefully once again the Braves can continue to build off that and yeah and I think that sort of wraps us up for Braves talk I'm sure we could continue on this all night but we have some other Atlanta sports to discuss yes indeed Graham I suppose it's time to talk about our Atlanta Hawks 
You know, I've been coming into these Hawks sessions with like a lot of notes, being pretty prepared the last like two or three weeks. That's a question, Graham. Oh, yes, I'm aware of this. Yes. They made me sad this week. I got depressed watching the Hawks, and I still watched, I think, all the games. I don't think I caught the Spurs game. I might have turned it off after the first quarter. But things are just going so so downhill, Graham. So downhill. And I'll give the quick recap. We lost to the Spurs, 125-114. It wasn't that close. The only thing of note from that game, Skylar Mays, who was our second-round pick this past year. He was out of LSU. He's a guard. He can play some point guard, play some shooty guard. Uh, he's been filling in while our great Rajon Rondo is still out with back spasms and just being not good. So he, he got to play some serious minutes, and in 17 minutes, he put up 20 points on 7 of 10 shooting with 3 assists and 0 turnovers. Damn. So, yeah. So that that was eye-popping to me, just to see that. Because, I mean, he, he's been a guy, like, I think the most minutes he's played in any game was 5 minutes one time. Like, his high, career high was 3, and then he, he goes off for 20 points. And then I watched him against the Pacers, and I don't have that box score pulled up. I can't remember exactly what he had, but he got to double-digit scoring really quick. And he just looks very confident in the way he drives to the hole. He's not scared to shoot. He's kind of the opposite of Cam Reddish for the most part. So he is a part of the rotation. Just in the last four games, Skylar Mays is a guy to look out for. And you know, you just love the background coming out of LSU, four-year player, senior. Like, he's got experience. So that's really been the only good thing that's come out of this past week is – the emergence of a player that might be a real piece going forward. So keep watching Skylar Mays. He's a, he's a lot – he fits this team a lot better than Brandon Goodwin as a backup. So I hope that Rondo coming back doesn't take away from Skylar Mays because he can still be a part of this. So lost to the Spurs, 125-114. Lost to the Pacers, 125-113. Lost to the Knicks this past Monday – and it was a close game the whole time uh, until, like, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. It was, it was classic. We're hanging around to the third. Everything goes to hell in the fourth. And the big thing that was rolling around Hawks Twitter for this game was Trey Young and John Collins had zero points on only four shot attempts in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so, so needless to say, and... I honestly don't know how that happens. Like, I don't know if everyone comes back to Lloyd Pierce. I don't know if that is a coaching thing. I don't know if these two just aren't being aggressive enough, but I can understand throwing up your shots and missing, but four shots for your two best players with all these injuries, that makes zero sense. And it was even like Cam Reddish was making a lot of the plays down the stretch where, I mean, it's good for Cam. He had 18 points in this game, but. We're not going to win any games with Trey Young and John Collins doing that. So, yeah, hopefully that's just sort of an anomaly kind of thing. Yeah. Even though the team has struggled quite a bit recently before, and they, they won their last game, right, against uh, Boston. Right. Yeah, so that, that Knicks game was really the valley of this whole stretch. And then we played Boston. We got the win last night, 122-114. And Trey Young went off. He had 40 points total. He was just shooting lights out in the fourth. And I feel like we haven't seen that in a while with Trey doing whatever he wanted to, shooting the ball in the fourth. And we can win games if we do that. They, they actually closed it out, and it, it was a bit of a relief. So maybe there's still a light at the end of the tunnel. But Grant, what you say? It was like we lost 7 of 8 going into that game against Going Boston. into that game last night, we lost 7 of 8. And a lot of people were talking on Twitter after the game and during the game last night about how the energy of the team seemed different, not just with Trey, but with everybody. And a lot of people gave praise, whether it was fair or not, to interim coach Nate McMillan, who's taken over for Lloyd Pierce while Lloyd Pierce, as uh, his, his wife, had a baby. 
So he's taking a few games off to be with his family. What did you notice when you were watching? Was there truly just like a switch had been flipped on and the team realized how to close a, a fucking game in the fourth quarter for once because Nate McMillan was there? I mean, what what are were we just due to get this performance? I mean, maybe there's no right answer, but I'm just curious as to, to what you thought having seen it. Yeah, they were just actually making shots. <laughs> like they, they shot lights out and Trey was hitting threes in the fourth quarter. That's... That's all it was. That's not Nate McMillan coaching Trey up to finally get his jumper to drop and his flirting in the lane. Like, Trey just looked great. He did have higher energy. I don't, I don't know. You know, people want to correlate that with the Nate McMillan-Lloyd Pierce thing, but Nate McMillan's running all the same plays out there. I heard, I heard Clint Capella actually got to play in the fourth quarter, too. So that, that is the difference, is Capella was out there at the end of the fourth quarter. The Pacers actually tried. You remember, like, the hack of Shaq because of Shaq's free throw shooting being so terrible? They would oh, yeah. start fouling in with, like, four minutes to go in the game. They were mm-hmm. doing that with Capella, which maybe that's why Capella hasn't been out there because he's not a good free throw shooter. And it, it didn't really work for him. He actually knocked some down. But that that was the only major, like, strategy difference was that Capella was still out there. But, I mean, it also, like I said, Trey's making shots. Cam Reddish had a great game. Really, the only guy who didn't put up a good stat line was your boy Gallinari. I'll say this much, though. if So we play the Celtics again Friday night. If we win that game, Hawks Twitter is going to go crazy. Because mm. Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce is on a very hot seat, according to them. I do not understand why Lloyd Pierce sits Capella at the end of games. He's, he's, he leads the league in rebounding. He can get your last second chances. And he's effective in the post when fed. Most of the time. Yeah. I, I do not understand that strategy. Yeah. I mean, if that hack a Capella thing, I mean, it didn't work for the Celtics. So that, that's the only only reason I can think to not have him out there. Yeah, it's just very odd. Well, I mean, it's also the backup options are so terrible as well. So, yeah, and there's he, that. A Kongwu and Bruno Fernando has just been garbage. So, but yeah, these Hawks, Graham, these Hawks. It's a struggle. It's a struggle for sure. Like th- th- this, w- this was literally the first week where, like, I, th- I think I think it was that that Knicks game where I was like, man, I I just did not enjoy watching this game at all. Like, that was a waste of two hours of my evening. So it was uh, another week, and another rumor mill got going on the Hawks listening to trade offers on John Collins. I just don't understand this. That's not a guy you let go. I don't like. Who's starting these rumors? Are they coming from the Hawks organization? It's just people in the press, but I don't know how, how true it is or how untrue it is. But um, I, I'm beginning to wonder if, the, if they're just not going to be able to reach an agreement on a deal and they don't want to pull a Budenholzer where they have a guy who has value and they, they lose him for nothing. So maybe the writing's on the wall. This is also just, you know, this could totally be untrue, but it's just speculation. Writing could be on the wall, and they're they're trying to see what they could get for him, because they don't want to let the, uh, a guy who who can be a high uh, a big time contributor go for nothing. Well, you just have to offer him a max contract. I agree. Even if you don't think he's totally worth it, and he may not be, but he's damn close, and he's he's a really 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 he's your second best player. There's no one that you're going to get right now that's going to put this team. You know, that's, that's going to be able to replace the production of what John Collins does. And if you lose him, that really, I think that really hurts your chances of landing a superstar next offseason. Well, it's also like he's a restricted free agent. So any offers in the offseason, we can just match it. So if that's a max offer, fine. Like we can keep John Collins if we want to. I Like unless... I mean, we don't need it. We just drafted number six overall, and that's not working out great. Like, we don't need another high draft pick. Like, we need to keep. If you hit on a guy at seventeen, you keep that guy in your organization. I I, I just don't understand. Unless I'm, it's something where the chemistry in the in the locker room is just awful beyond you know what we've heard, which doesn't sound awful. It just sounds like John made a fair point about Trey in a, in a film review. Yeah, it was a one time incident. Did you see the two of them last night after the game? Yeah, they were all over each other. Yeah. Looked like buddies so I, to me. I, yeah, I really hope. 
like if Schlenk lets him go, then we can start shitting on Schlenk a little bit. And if you go get a superstar next year, then the superstar is just going to have to replace Collins's production. And that's he, just frustrating. Collins as opposed to like, having superstar John Collins and Trey. Right. And a healthy DeAndre Hunter, who we see how important he is to this team. Oh, yeah. He's great. We need, yeah. So it's now is not the time to let a piece like that get away. Like, we're going to get healthy. Bogdanovich is going to be back. Hunter's going to be back. Like, this team that I saw the first, like, week, that, that team is potential is still there. Like, for sure. And we storm. could see that potential realized this year, you know, once we get back Hunter, Bogdan, guys like that. Chris Dunn at some point, maybe we'll see him play. Maybe. <laughs> there, There's another injury update on him, and it was basically, well, he got this PRP injection to address his right knee discomfort, and the knee discomfort is the ailment that we knew he had going into the season, separate from the ankle surgery that he had in December. So he got his knee treated. Don't know about the ankle. Still no idea when he's coming back. Sounds like he's uh, he's got a sturdy foundation there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who's this guy? Mike Hampton? For real. Like... Can't get him on the court. Yeah, you need your legs but, in basketball. Good Lord. Man, that was a bad move by Schlenk to say, okay, this guy's got a lot of knee issues and he needs ankle surgery. Yeah, I think the ankle surgery injury was a fluke, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Man, I'm just sad that this is the first week the Hawks lost me a little bit, Graham. Because I know we do this podcast, but at the end of the day, I'm a fan and I watch for fun. And, like, watching that game on Monday was just a chore. Yeah. This was definitely your least energetic Hawks update of the year. I feel like it's, like, they didn't earn any more energy out of me. Right. It sounded like you were talking about the Falcons, for Christ's sake. (laughs) I was just troll trudging through it. Yeah. I was like, well, I know Graham didn't watch the game, so. Well, we appreciate your service, and we feel your pain. Yep. But. That's that. That's all I have on the Hawks. Right? All right. I think the only Falcons news that we really have is is two cuts that happened today. Ricardo Allen cut after six or seven years as the safety for the Falcons, and then Allen Bailey also cut, which clears up I think ten or ten and a half million dollars of the cap. So Allen Bailey. Don't forget I don't about really... Kirk, Kirk Benkert. Don't forget about him. Oh yeah, Kirk Benkert's gone to the the one of the practice squad quarterbacks or whatever who everybody wanted to take Matt Ryan's job because they're idiots. And, yeah, this the, these moves save like 10 or 10.5 million. So Fontenot's already getting the cap uh, in order here, which is good because we need to uh, increase our cap because I think we're 23 million over right now. So he, he's getting to work, which is good to see. I hate to lose Ricardo because I like him a lot as a person. He's done a lot in the community, very altruistic guy, uh, tough competitor as well. But... I think at this point he was expendable. It's not like our safeties really tore it up last year. We know DeMonte Casey can slide back there. Um, you could argue that he's probably been our best safety over the last couple of years when he actually has had an opportunity to play there. And we know he's a ball hawk, and I'm looking forward to seeing him back there, and I hope Ricardo is able to get on a team and do well. Um, same with Alan Bailey, even though he didn't really contribute anything of note that I can think of. Another bad signing by Dimitrov on offensive line. It's the first real move by one Terry Fontenot. Yeah, and, I mean, there's going to be a lot more. Like, Keanu Neal is a free agent, right? I think so, yeah. And I don't so know if you can really bring him. Like, he didn't really blow my skirt up last year with his play. And you got to wonder about his health as well with all the season-ending injuries he's had. Right. Like, if if he gives us a sweetheart hometown, like, show me you can stay healthy all year deal, Sure. We'll, we'll run it back with Keanu, but you got KZ. We drafted that kid last year, Jalen Hawkins, who might step into a larger role. And Fontenot, he's been doing the podcast rounds the past week or two. And he kind of elaborated on his draft, the best player available strategy, and was just saying free agency, that's where you fill your needs. Okay. And then you do just take the most talent possible out there he's big on drafting quarterbacks and bringing in quarterbacks so 
that'll be interesting to see who he brings in behind Matt Ryan, regardless of whether or not we draft one of these quarterbacks at number four overall. But, um, yeah, look for him to, I mean, he's got to clear out a ton of cap space before he can do much, but good to see him out there making some moves now. And, you know, I think the next week or so we're going to see a lot more cuts. Yeah. And it's a necessary evil, unfortunately, because of our good friend Thomas and his, uh, inability to manage the cap effectively. So I, I, I did hear this made me happy. Some like capologist or whatever talking about like the other teams that are in a bad place cap wise. And he said, no team has been in worst cap shape than the saints are this year. No, it's like 103 million or something. It's, it's insane. Yeah. The last time this happened, it was the Jaguars and they got bailed out because it was the year that the Texans came into the league. And there was like the, um, what do they call it? Like the franchise draft expansion draft. Mm-hmm. So like the Texans like drafted some of the players on their active roster and that kind of bailed the Jaguars back in like 2001 or whatever. So no team has been in worse shape than the Saints are this offseason. So Hilarious. That, that's some positive news. That is wonderful news. And yeah, we've talked about how bad <laughs> that's crazy that no one's been worse though than the Jaguars. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah. Man. That's a long time. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number two, after making those cuts, number two on Fontenot's list needs to be re-sign Young Waiku. I didn't realize he was a free agent. I didn't know he was a free agent either. Yeah. Yeah, unless he wants an absurd amount of money, then, yeah, I would re-sign him. But he's not, even though he's been really, he was great last year. One of the better kickers in the league. Uh, I'm not going to lose sleep if we don't resign him. But I would like to see him back if it's reasonable. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think any kickers make an exorbitant amount of money. Throw him a million and a half this year. He'll come back. And I think that wraps up the show, folks. We want to thank you all for listening. And we hope you guys are staying safe out there and doing well. We will holler at you next week. So until then, rise up, chop on, mix it up, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalmanship. Uh, Hospitalmanship.